0: Recently, I posted on my community page asking what states you guys would like to see me cover stories from. I recently decided that I'm going to start doing stories from each and every state. Today, we're going to be covering the creepy and downright interesting state of Texas. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Before we jump right into these creepy stories though, I need to take just a moment to thank today's sponsor, IPVanish. So what is IPVanish? IPVanish is a virtual private network, a VPN for short. A VPN is a super important tool that helps you safely browse the internet. You can use a VPN on your computers, tablets, phones, and even things like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. When you use a VPN, all of your data is encrypted what you're reading, what you're searching, what you're watching, whatever it is you're doing online. That's important because what you're doing on the internet is no one else's business but your own. IPVanish helps you remain anonymous and secure on the internet. For listeners of the show, IPVanish is offering an incredible 65% off for just $349 for the first month or $31.49 for the year. Here's everything you get with IP Vanish. Anonymous IP addresses, This means your personal IP address cannot be tracked by anyone on the web. You can circumvent any online censorship. IP Vanish has more than 1,500 servers in 70-plus locations. Get protection when using public Wi-Fi. Remember, with IP Vanish, all your data is encrypted, so no one can snoop on what you're doing. You get 24-7 support. You can email them, chat with them, even call them. They're there to help. So, go to IPVanish.com slash claim your 65% savings. This is the time to sign up with our discount and their current promotional offerings. You can get up to 65% off their usual offering. IPVanish is the best of the best, even rated 4.7 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot, and that's with more than 6,000 reviews. Show IPVanish some love, their repeat sponsors. Remember, it's ipvanish.com swamped to get the deal and to start protecting yourself online. This happened in South Texas to my uncle in the late 80s or maybe early 90s. He has never been one to fib or tell nonsense tales, so I know that this is entirely true, and he still has a distant look in his eyes when he retells us the story. One warm, very humid South Texas night, he left his house due to disagreements with his wife. They were having marital problems at the time, so he always left to go take a drive rather than stay home and make the situation worse. This one night, he decided to go to the old cemetery in town where his father was buried. His father passed away when he was a young boy, and the town has a new cemetery on the outskirts of town where most people visit, so this graveyard was always dark and mostly abandoned. He sat by his father's grave and just vented his situation and let it all out. He felt a calmness to just be able to talk about his problems, even though no one else was around to hear them. He knew his father was listening to him, though, and he took comfort in that. After maybe a couple of hours, my uncle saw a light in the distance, and he thought it was maybe a groundskeeper or security guard, and because it was already early morning hours, he figured it was time to leave. He would leave as soon as the flashlight got closer to him and just explain that he was not there to vandalize or do harm but the light never got bigger. Like a flashlight would, if someone holding it would get closer, the light also started to weave back and forth, as it was like dancing or jumping from side to side. My uncle kept an eye on it, and it soon got really close. He realized it was not a flashlight at all or a firefly. There was nothing around it or inside the light. It was just floating a close distance near him, and my uncle stared at it for what seemed like a long time. Before he knew it, my uncle had a sudden urge of fear rush through him, and he started running to his car. The light followed him, but kept a distance away. He ran as fast as he could, and before he got to his car, he turned back one last time and it was gone. When he turned to reach for his door handle, the light was between him and the car. That is when he saw that it was no firefly due to no bug being around it or anything. It was just a ball of light exceedingly small that it could fit into the palm of his hand or something like that. He ran around to the passenger side and quickly jumped in and closed the door, locking it behind him. He saw the light floating around his car, and then it got in front of the car near the hood. My uncle managed to turn his car on, put it in reverse, at full speed, and sped away towards the entrance rather than the exit. He saw the light following him, and then it just turned off, like someone flicked a switch. He was getting out of there as fast as he could. He was not going to stay in those cemetery grounds for a second longer. He sped away and kept checking his rearview mirror to make sure it was gone. It was at maybe a minute away that he heard a deep sigh come from his back seat. He said it sounded like a man's sigh, and he refused to look in his mirror or check. He just looked forward, gripping the steering wheel, and quickly drove home. He told the story to his mother the next day. He was still very shaken up about it. His mother told him that maybe it was his father, and sensing that my uncle was going through a rough time, his father came to visit him. My uncle convinced himself that maybe it was that. He eventually came to his senses a few nights later, and went back to see if his father would return. He never saw that light again, or felt that fear he had inside of him when he returned. Hey, Swamp Dweller i've been listening to your channel for a while now i came across it during the pandemic and it has been a saving grace for my sanity i have a story in which i will use fake names as i'm uncertain whether my friends want their names posted my name will also be fake i'm going to send the scarier encounters i've had in the future as well if you would like to hear about those i've had what you can call many ghost encounters and i'm happy to share them the stories i'm going to describe are true and you can find the real locations on a map, and even find news articles about one of the places. We will start with the burned-down house. My name is Charlotte. Me and friends would regularly explore a very old burned-down house. Let me give you the setting. It is North Texas near the Oklahoma border. The burned-down house is one of those huge plots of land that was probably once farmland or cattle-grazing fields. It's a massive property. It is on the side of a large four-lane highway that runs between DFW and Oklahoma. There is a few decent-sized cities about 15 minutes away from this burned-down house with about probably 100,000 people or more, but once out of town and on the highway, it becomes really rural very fast, and you almost immediately feel like you are in the middle of nowhere. The turn-off of the burned-down house is exceedingly difficult to see as it is literally just a dirt path perpendicular to the road. Railroad tracks run parallel to the road and one must park between the tracks and the entry gate to get to the driveway of the house, meaning if a train comes, you are stuck there until it moves. To get to the house, one must park their car by the tracks and abandon it and then walk a quarter mile or more up this dirt driveway. The exterior walls of the house are decently intact as it was made of stone and brick. It burned down sometime around 1975 but there is zero part of the roof left, at all. Entirely open to the stars above, behind the main house is a garage with an attached room or shop that was spared most of the fire damage as it was pretty far behind the main house. There is a huge grain silo about 50 yards away that is also fully intact. So, for the story. Most of the time we visited this place, it was super creepy, but rather uneventful. The reason this place is haunted is because of that fire Two brothers had a large coin collection valued at a lot of money. They donated them to a museum, but the people who murdered them were unaware. Their house was burned down to steal this coin collection that had already been donated, and well, the two brothers died. So, five of us are at my friend's house getting ready for our midnight adventure. We will call that friend Leah. Leah did not really believe in the supernatural at all but found the adventure and the possibility of finding something cool along the way worth her time, so she always tagged along. Then we had Jeff, Jessica, and Karina. As the five of us are readying for our adventure, this was around 2011 by the way, Leah finds a ghost detector app to download on her phone that is supposed to pick up electromagnetic waves. None of us believe this will work because why would it? Before we leave, she decides to load up the app and take a magnet from the fridge to see if anything happens, and to our surprise, the little bars went up. Think like how you have radiation detectors and that goes up in colored bars. It's the same thing. We all have a good laugh and make a joke about how if there are any magnets left at the burned down house, we will find them. We set off with me driving. I always drove because I was the only one with a car usually. We arrive carefully pull over and park. We quickly turn lights off so we are not spotted because this is trespassing. We hop the fence and begin the slight incline of the dirt driveway. Alas, we make it to the house, but before we go in we decide to check out the grain silo as not everyone in the group had been here yet and they wanted to see absolutely everything this place had to offer. We check out the creepy garage and make our way back to the front of the burned down house. We all step inside, and begin looking around just admiring the sad beauty of this place. The house is not very large, and what used to be a fireplace is pretty much smack dab in the middle of this house, with small foliage growing out of it. We are all standing there, kind of doing our own thing and checking the stuff out. Leah decides this is a perfect time to turn on her ghost detector app, and let me tell you what, Swamp Dweller, not even one of us was prepared for what happened next. I want to also say... This land is very flat with minimal trees and nowhere to really hide. So we had walked around the entirety of this structure probably three or more times with not an animal peep or shuffle of any sort. So Leah turns on her ghost app and lo and behold, she is waving it in the air, not close to anything, and it starts going off. We all kind of laugh because okay, sure. About five seconds after the detector went crazy, A large rock or loose brick from the house hits the wall outside. Everyone does their thing where they look around to see who is missing from the group, but we were all there, less than five feet apart from one another. No one could have run out of the house, thrown that large object, and made it back in without hearing the footsteps and movement as we were all way too close to each other. And, being that there was no roof at all, we should have heard footsteps or some other sound that would have indicated someone was there. We always took flashlights out there, and there was no one out there. We searched very, very well. After our terrifying realization of, that couldn't have been an animal because the brick hit way too high on the wall, and how did we not hear or see anyone out there? We bolted. We started running full speed to the driveway. About halfway down the driveway, we kind of cooled off and started just walking and enjoying again. What terrified me the most about this night wasn't even the brick though that was truly terrifying. What scared me the most is that as we were walking back to the car, Leah bolts past us running full speed. Leah does not like to run. She does not believe in the paranormal either, so it's weird to see this. She is very calm and literally plays horror games and loves horror movies. She does not scare easily, and she was running for her life out of nowhere so I start running too because I think we are being chased by a psycho human or a coyote. When we finally make it to the car, I open the doors and everybody gets in. I look at Leah like, what the hell are you doing, dude? And I said, why were you running? Still terrified, she says, it was nothing. I'm like, dude, that was not nothing. What did you see? She said I saw this bush, but something behind it moved, and I just kept telling myself it was the bush, but I do not think it was. There was no wind that night. The bushes had no greenery because it was just before spring when everything blooms. It took us a while to go back there. We managed all to make it out of there safely, but to this day, I have no idea how the brick got thrown. I have no idea what we saw in the bushes. And I'm absolutely terrified of what could be lurking out there. I have another encounter from a haunted school that was abandoned in the 1920s, if you would like me to submit that one as well. It was also in North Texas. Thank you for sharing my story. I live in north-central Texas in a rural area. My hometown has less than 900 people. The next big town is probably a good few miles away. Most of the land is cleared out in barren pastures for cattle. Any land not cleared is covered in thickets of barbed-up mosquito trees and thick, wiry woods, especially up and around the lake. We live right on the lake, a ten-minute walk down to the water. It's all grown-up thick down there, except the areas we clear out for fishing spots. Several little islands covered in thick woods are throughout that lake as well. Pretty often, I would go with my stepdad in the kayaks, or our little rowboat and we would just go run jug lines. From where we got in, we could go past some of the tiny islands and up the channel that led into the creeks in town just a few miles away. We always had airsoft pistols to scare off snakes from getting in our boats, and one of us would always have a small revolver or a rifle to scare off whatever else. We always went out late at night around 11 p.m. or midnight when the catfish and shad start feeding and would stay out there for quite a few hours. We did not have to worry about anything in the water, but if we got out on a certain baby island or on the kind of sandbar areas in the middle of the channel, you had to watch for pigs, bobcats, mountain lions, and snakes. I had seen the pigs before. We are overrun with them, and some years ago, they started to get even bigger than we had normally known them to be. They had certain areas they stayed in, though, so we did not worry about them too terribly much. The bobcats would run when we saw them most of the time, and honestly, if you stand up to show off your size, most things like that will just go the opposite way. The mountain lions were less common, but sometimes you could see their eyes in the dark. They will stalk your boat if they can, but they usually won't bother if you're in the water. One pop with the rifle and they usually scurry off. They are freaky, though. We can hear them miles away. They sound like a woman screaming. I imagine they are what banshees sound like. So there are a few things to worry about, but not too much. There is nothing bigger either. There is nothing like bears here, and if there is one, no one has ever seen it or reported it. This one night, a few months ago, we went out and one of my stepdad's friends came along. It was a good night. We had just baited and dropped all of our jugs, and we rowed the boat to one of the more cleared bars so we could get out and go to the bathroom. I stayed in the boat with one of the guns in the spotlight so I could watch for pigs and snakes. It was easy to scare yourself out here, seeing things pass by the trees. You just have to ignore it most of the time. They were not gone long before I could hear crunches and snaps out in the distance. I yelled to them what I heard because if it was something that big it's usually pigs, I yelled to them what I had heard, because usually if it's that loud it's gonna be pigs. My stepdad and his friend did not answer though, they were probably out exploring. He'd always done that. Trekking around here had never bothered him since he grew up trekking through Mississippi. I did not hear the sounds anymore, but I watched the thickets harder while I untied the boat in case they needed to just run. I felt like they were gone twenty minutes or so, and I was getting incredibly anxious. Finally, I could hear my stepdad and his friend yelling in the distance. The closer they got, I could hear the crunches again louder while he yelled at me to untie the boat like I already had done. He kept yelling at me to get the rifle up and to get on the far side of the boat. I was freaking out. When I could finally see them clearing their way through, the sounds were behind them, and it was getting louder. I realized it was not the underbrush being crunched down, but it was the sound of tree limbs snapping and cracking. It was so loud when my stepdad jumped in the boat, he kept yelling at me to keep aiming while he started the motor. His friend was already paddling us away from the shore into the middle of the channel. I could still hear the sounds, but I never saw a thing. Nothing ever followed us into the water. After that, we left the jugs and took his friend straight back to the cars. He was shaking so hard he just bolted up to the cars. My stepdad had calmed down by then, and we went back to get the jug lines. He steered the boat and held the rifle while I pulled the lines up. He would never answer me when I asked what happened. He just said it was a big pig. He had told me about it one time, but I noticed he was keeping us in the dead center of the channel. All the lines we had near the shore, he would never tell me to go get them. He said they were probably empty and we will get them another time. When we were pulling everything back to the house, we took it all together at once instead of the several trips we would usually make. He told me not to tell my mom. But he did not know what it was, and he had not wanted to scare me while we were still out there. He told me they were looking on the bar for good spots on the far side when they heard it coming and it chased them all the way back. He said it was so loud and it was definitely big. It would be way too big for it to be a bear or something like that. We don't have Bigfoot stories or anything like that around here, so we don't know what it is, but we really have not been fishing that far up the channel ever since. I have worked for the United States Forest Service here in Texas for just shy of 10 years now. I love my job, and it is rare for anything particularly creepy or scary to occur. But having worked this job for so long, I have my fair share of stories I can share that might just make the hairs on the back of your neck stand on end. For example, we sometimes get jaguars, hunting in the forest here, a particularly scary big cat and that is because of what they do to their prey once they are caught and subdued. So just picture the scene. You are walking through the trees on some bright, sunny day, when suddenly you start to smell something rotten. You look around, but there is nothing to be seen. It's just this grotesque, terrible smell. All you see around you are these picturesque view of pines and the sound of birdsong floating through the green. Then something hits the top of your head, something wet. You place a hand on the top of your head, feeling something cold and slimy dribbling through your hair. You bring your hand down to see what it is, hoping it's not bird poo, only it is something way worse. It's blood. You look up, and hanging up in a tree just above your head is a mutilated, half-eaten corpse of an animal. Guts torn out, skin shredded, face half-eaten, with hooves or paws missing with broken pieces of bone protruding from cracked limbs. It seems an utterly bizarre thing to do, but the jaguar has a good reason for doing all of this heavy lifting. If a jaguar does not bother to hoist its kill into a tree, it risks losing its meal to other more ground-based predators or scavengers. Creepy, yeah, but that kind of natural world stuff is nothing compared to some of the other stuff I've encountered during my time in the Forest Service. So, this other time... I am on a routine walk, going through some of the trails to make sure all the directional signs and informational markers for tourists are all in order. There is a large rock protrusion about 100 meters from this trail. It's like this big sandstone boulder that juts out of the earth that has kind of like a shallow cave carved out of it. It's been worn away from thousands of years of wind erosion. After I get closer, I see a guy in what I first thought was camouflage hunting gear hanging around the entrance. I call out to him, just some friendly greeting, nothing threatening, and he turns to look at me. Only, he does not say a word, he just runs off through the trees. I start getting worried about what he was doing in the cave, terrified he has left a body or something there, and honestly, I thank God he had not, but it does seem like he left something behind. I mean, I'm honestly not 100% sure it was him that did this, And I often considered the possibility that it was him that happened across the little find first. And seeing me, he got the idea in his head that it was me that left that thing there. He got the idea into his head, saw me, and just freaked out. But when I walked into the little cave and shined my flashlight around, I saw something that would completely explain why he was so quick to run away. Whatever his motivations were. Teeth. There was a little circular patch of dirt one that looked like it had been raked over to clear some space, and in the middle of it all were a bunch of human teeth. I do not know why they were there. I do not know who left them or why. But I did what I could. I gathered them up into a little plastic bag I had on me that I had previously had my lunch in and took them down to the nearest police station, giving a little description of the guy that I had seen run away from the cave. I have the usual wild animal encounters, weird noises during the night, but I have never forgotten those teeth. I have no explanation to offer up at all, but it certainly does make for a good little campfire story. I'm going to preface this story by saying that I'm currently a 19-year-old girl, and when this story occurred, I was 14. In the summer of 2016, my grandmother, two younger sisters, and I drove 19 hours to San Antonio in Texas. My great aunt lives there, and my recently deceased great uncle lived there too. We were all going to visit my grandmother's oldest brother, as he had never really spent much time with us before. We spent the entire trip going out and about this military retirement home that my great uncle lived in. We went to a neat little area. It had this little thrift shop that was part of the community, and I bought an old letter opener which I pretended was a dagger to freak out my friends. The trip went well. We were there for about a week. We said our goodbyes to our distant relatives, and my grandmother told my sisters and me that she wanted to visit the Holocaust Museum before we left Texas and started our long drive home. The museum had and still has a picture of her father in it. He was one of the first doctors to go to Dachau, which was a concentration camp. And the picture was taken in front of a rather large pile of innocent people whose lives were stolen at Dachau, while my great-grandfather stands behind them with a look of sorrow my sister and i readily agreed to go we wanted our sweet little grandma to see a picture of her daddy she was extremely excited to show us the photo we eventually arrived at the holocaust museum and it was devastatingly beautiful the overall mood of the museum was very somber and the walls were lined with photos from concentration camps and various other things that were present during the Holocaust. As we started our tour through the museum, I realized I had to use the restroom. Curse my tiny, 14-year-old bladder, but I decided I would hold it until we were finished with the tour. Little did I know, the tour would take about an hour. I suffered through most of the tour and distracted myself by listening to people who worked at the museum and listening to my grandma recall stories from her father. There were a few people scattered about the museum as we walked through it. The lights were somewhat dim, as most museum lights were. I noticed that it was oddly quiet though. Most people were very empathetic, as was I, throughout the tour. Near the end of the tour, my grandma finally found the photos she wanted to show us. She pointed to it excitedly and told the workers, That's my daddy. She went on to tell the worker about her father and what he did at the place and at this moment i realized i really really had to use the restroom my siblings were looking at me funny as i frantically searched for the bathroom my sister i will call her jay pointed to a restroom not far from where we stood i told my sisters that i would be right back and i practically ran to the restroom I opened the door expecting it to be vacant, but to my demise, it was packed with women who were babbling on about nothing important to a 14-year-old. Now, I do not know if it was something wrong with me psychologically, but I absolutely cannot use a random restroom when other people are present. It has always been an issue, and it still is. You can imagine how rough that can be in certain situations. I resigned to waiting for the mass of women to leave the restroom, and as luck would have it. The women all left in about five minutes. There were about six stalls in this restroom, the handicapped stall being to the far left. I rushed into the stall directly next to it and practically threw myself onto the toilet. Except, as I sat there, I began to have an eerie feeling. I held my breath. The restroom was completely silent, and I knew it should be because everybody had left, but something churned in my stomach. The silence was deafening i felt sick like the air was becoming thicker someone could have cut a knife through it something was not right i needed to get out of this stall i did not even use the toilet i just scrambled from the stall assessed the restroom and i was just trying to see what was happening everything seemed all right i did not see anyone the stall doors were closed and yet i still felt scared i went to wash my hands as I always would wash my hands, even if I did not actually need to. Something inside me told me to look at the handicapped stall. I do not know what persuaded me to look, but I did. Alarm bells were ringing in my head. I slowly leaned back to get a better look at the stall, and my heart dropped. I know people claim that their heart sinks or drops or they freeze with fear, and all of what they claim is definitely true. My heart jumped to my throat and I suddenly felt ill. What I saw was a leg on the floor, a child's leg. It was attached to somebody, but I was too scared to investigate any further. I ran from the restroom to my younger sisters. I do not know why I did this. I was a dumb 14-year-old, but I needed my sisters to confirm what I had just seen. They were skeptical when I told them. I dragged my sisters back to the restroom with me, begging them to be quiet and I pointed to the handicapped stall. My youngest sister, I will call her N, looked at me in alarm, and then Jay did the same. There was long hair next to the leg now, almost as if there was somebody crouching to look under the stall at us, but at the same time, they were completely still, unnaturally still. I grabbed both of my sister's hands and urgently pulled them from the restroom. We ran up to my grandma, and all three of us started rambling at once. The worker by my grandmother looked at all of us with concern. I eventually explained the situation to the kind woman who worked there, and she looked very unsettled. I watched as she went to the large, burly security guard. He looked from her to us and said he would go look. We waited, with my grandmother for quite a while, while the worker and the security guard came back. He exited the woman's restroom quickly and rushed to speak to the worker. A man was speaking on his phone in there. The security guard spoke slowly. My heart seemed to drop a little bit more. He? I definitely saw a child's leg in there. There was not a man in there too, was there? I thought. The woman glanced at my sisters and me before listening to the security guard again. The security guard confirmed that there were two people in the handicapped stall. And by this point, my grandmother was freaked out. Enough to say that it was time for us to leave. The security guard had readily agreed. I am sorry that we did not stick around to find out what that man was doing in the woman's restroom, in the handicapped stall with a child on the floor. I did not get to find out why or what happened to that man, and I still wonder why they were so silent that I could not hear them breathing in the stall next to me, or why he was on the phone after I rushed out. I will say, though, that this experience left me with an even bigger fear of public restrooms, And since I have such a wild imagination, I did not sleep that night. Images of that leg and the thoughts of someone trying to peek at me under the stall haunted me for a long time. If any of you have ever been in a situation like that, do not go back in. Just get help and always trust your instincts. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true horror stories from the state of Texas. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to The Swamp. If you're listening to this on iTunes or a different podcast platform, please give us a five-star rating as it helps us grow over there. If you're new to The Swamp, why not join us? Hit the subscribe button, turn on notifications to never miss a new video, as I upload them almost every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, whether it's a scary story from Texas or a different state entirely, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going. If you guys would like to support The Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes, maybe check out the merch store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp Dweller threads. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can now download them absolutely free from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. And the best part is, is it's absolutely free to download them, and always will be. Another thank you to IPVanish for supporting the podcast. Remember, IPVanish slash Swamped will save you 65%. I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.